it's, you have to be a Skype premium subscriber, which I am, in order to have group video. They took my money from my Skype and they put it on a different part of the account. So it's not giving me my video group, it's rather giving me... Okay, we even have a cat by the shirt today. Wonderful. <laughs> um, this... <laughs> There's a paper on my desk over there that I wrote on. This week is Pasha Shmini. Welcome everybody back to a regular shir. It's Shabbos Mivarchim Chedesh Ir. Pasha Shmini is the Pasha which refers to the, thank you, the eighth day of the completion of the Besamik, of the Mishkan, and the tabernacle was set up. Rosh Chodesh Iyer is Sunday and Monday, so therefore this Shabbos, the Shabbos Mevorchim, the Shabbos that we bless the new month. And we're at the end of the month of Nisan, we're in Chav Zayin Nisan actually, the 27th day of the month of Nisan. But more importantly, the beginning of next week would be Bez Iyer, which we will discuss as well, Mi'at Hashem, during this year. It is customary on this Wednesday night year, throughout the weeks between Pesach and Shavuos, and this here in the exile is the first Shabbos between Pesach and Shavuos, which we will explain momentarily. Um. There is a study on a daily basis, which is the study of Pashas, of Mesechtis Saita, the tractate of Saita, and also on every Shabbos, on a Shabbos basis, is the study of Pirkei Aves. The custom in Chabad, we study Pirkei Aves. You know, I have to see if I can add this person to you. Now, I might, you might lose my view. I have to add a person to this call. You might lose me on the camera, but you will still hear the sound. I just have to see how this is going to work, because it's not allowing me to add. No, so far so good. <coughs> Sorry. The study of Masech the Seita, which the Rebbe brings down in the Hayyim Yayim, a safer, a book which gives us a daily directive every day of a different lesson in life, a lesson to do, a lesson to accomplish. That from the begin from the second day of Pesach until Shavuos, there are forty nine days. The tractate of Saita has 49 pages. And therefore, every day we study one page of the tractate of Saita. As well, there are six parakim of Pirkei Avot, the chapter of our fathers. There are six Shabbosim between Pesach and Shavuos. 
Therefore, every Shabbos, we study one Perik, one chapter of Pirkei Avais, and that is done after the Mincha prayer. After the Mincha prayer, Yitzchak dot hecht too. On Shabbos afternoon, why I tease you so okay? Dot two. Why I tease okay? Dot two. Dot hecht two. Um, and since there are the six parakim of Pirkei Avais, let's see who's online here. He's not signed in. How's he expect to get in? Okay. Why? Oh, okay. So therefore, each week we study one chapter, one page of Pirkei Avais. So what we're going to do during the course of this year, once we get this year started, believe it or not, at 10 after 9 we still haven't really started this year, so we're going to talk about the Parsha of the week, we're going to talk about the month of year, we're going to talk about Bez year, the upcoming week, the second day of year, which is Mi'at on Tuesday, since it'll be before next week's year. And Yetzim we're also going to talk about Pirkei Aves, we'll say something about Pirkei Aves, and something from the Mesechta of Saita. And Yetzim Bilinah that we will do as such throughout the weeks of Sefir Omer. Not interested in drinking this stuff. Yeah. I see, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and also about Sefir Omer. You have no future. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> I'm copying it from here. Why? Yeah, there's a dot between Yitzchak and Hecht. Oh. Pasha Shmini, different than any other year. This year, Pasha Shmini is read eight times. Now you may ask. According to the way the Torah is divided up, we read a portion of the Torah once every year. How would we read the parsha eight times? We also read the Torah on Mondays and Thursdays in Shul. And the Torah is read besides Shabbos morning, it is also read on Shabbos afternoon by Mincha. The Torah portion of the week is read in the morning... And the Torah portion of the upcoming week... Okay, now how do I do this? I don't do this. I decline him. No, I decline him. And I'll add him. Do this without glasses. The smartest thing I've done in weeks. Oh, hello world. Okay, just one second. Yeah. 
Okay, I don't see where he is here. How did he become? He's not a contact. Oh, gosh. He is a contact. No, this other fellow wants now to become, that try to call into this year. Go to mass calls. No, I have to bring him here now. I have to have a missed call here. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tell him to add himself as a contact. Invite him to get himself, to send me an invitation as a contact. Now, all the modern technology is a wonderful, wonderful thing, but it's so confusing to some people. So therefore, since we read Pasha Shmini on a Shabbos, oh, here it is. Okay, I got it, I got it. Since we read Pasha Shmini on Shabbos, for Mincha, which is the Pasha of Tzav, which was a week before Pesach, we read it on that Shabbos, then we read it on the following Shabbos, which is the first Shabbos of Pesach. Then we read it again the next Shabbos, which is the last Shabbos of Pesach. Keeping count of the score over here, keeping score at home. If you're keeping score at home, we read it the Shabbos before, Shabbos of Pesach, excuse me, the Shabbos before Pesach, Monday and Thursday before Pesach is three. First day of Pesach in the afternoon was four. The last day of Pesach in the afternoon was five. This Monday and Thursday was six and seven. And this coming Shabbos will be the eighth time that we are reading Pasha Shmini. Because I'll tell us that Shmini Shmeina Shmeina. If Shmini is read on eight times, it will be a very prosperous year. Beautiful thing and a beautiful blessing. And that is the blessing of this year that we read Shmini eight times. And therefore we will have the blessing of prosperity. What is in number eight? What is in a number and what is number eight? A number is a simple form that is used (laughs) if you really want to speak English properly you say a number is something you use to enumerate (laughs) if that gets you anywhere when you have several items and you want to know how many items they are you count the items each item a different number and your total is the amount of items that you have, which are, is again, a sum, another number. What is the number? We're coming now from Pesach, from Passover. And on Pesach, we've counted numbers. Where did we count numbers? The famous song of Echad Mi Yodea. So what? Sure there is, because you put a bag inside. Echad mi who knows one, who knows two, who knows three, etc., etc. Each number is represented by another spiritual concept, tells us the Balagoda. 
One is God. One is Hashem. Two are the tablets. Three are the fathers. Four are the mothers. Five are the holy books of Moses. Six are the Mishnah, etc., etc. But seven is the days of the week. Seven are the days of the week. Why seven? And what does seven signify? Now, Don't suspect me, please. I beg anyone that's listening to this, that's going to hear this, don't give any, don't cast any aspirations or suspicions. I never gambled. I never rolled dice. I rolled dice maybe in a game of, of uh, Stratego or Risk or something like that, but never played the game of dice. I did walk and live in different areas that were not necessarily prominently, predominantly Jewish. And therefore, I have seen dice games, call them what they might. And I know two expressions. One is, they look for the seven, the lucky seven, they try to roll a lucky seven. (laughs) Very good. I just got a text from somebody listening to the shit on Skype, that seven is his birthday. L'chaim for your birthday. <laughs> and since he became a chosen yesterday, so he and Yafid, the kala, Mazalto to them, um, also started going out on the 7th of the month. So 7 to him means a lot. But 7 apparently, in somewhere in the realm of, I don't know what, is also a lucky number. They also look for snake eyes. Oh boy, we're getting a lot of uh, cross-references today. So the seven, in essence, the world knows the number seven as well. The number seven are the seven attributes of a person. Chesed, Givuda, Teferes, Netzach, Hejusayd, Malchus. This is tied in as well with the counting of the Omer. The counting of the Omer this year started and finishes in a complete cycle. Rabbi, 49 days of the Omer has to start and can finish in a complete cycle. Seven weeks is 49 days. But this year, Manishtana Hashanah Hazem what is this year different than all the other years? Beautifully. This year, Every week of the Omer starts on a Saturday night and ends on a Friday night. So the seven days, the first night of the Omer was a Saturday night, and the second, etc., etc., and the last, the seventh day of the Omer was Friday night. So each week was a complete week of the Omer. When we count in the Omer, we count today is this and this number of days, which is this amount of weeks and this amount of days. So on every Friday night we're going to say, this is the second week of Omer, the third week of Omer, and the fourth week of the Omer. Because every week, the week of the Omer, finishes on the Friday night. Which is another beautiful phenomenon of this year, joining only with the Shmini Shmeinah. Therefore, 
since it is a truly complete cycle of Sviras Omer, we see the significance of seven again. How seven is a complete number. When we count the Omer, besides the days, there's also the attributes that are counted. The Chesed, the Gvur, as we mentioned before. If you look in your Siddur, almost every Siddur should have it, you will see that there's also, each day has its attribute. For example, the first week is the week of Chesed. The first day is Chesed Shebechesed. The second day of the week of Chesed is Gevura Shebechesed. And so goes every single week. This week, the second week, is Gevura. The first week, uh, the first day of the week was Chesed Shebechesed. The second day was Gevura Shebechesed. Etc., etc. And each week gets another attribute to it, Chesed, Gvura, Teferis, etc. So the attributes generally come into a realm of seven. How did he fall out, this guy? Oh, you pulled the others. No, I didn't want to do that. One second, this is not good. No, 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 no. Something didn't work here. How did I put this one on hold now? Oh, wait a minute. This is on hold. Call on hold. No, I got to get it off hold. Call failed. His failed. Oh, Ronan, you messed me up here. One second. Let me get him back on. Where's Adam? Adam, put you back. Now I'm out. See? You out? Yeah. Once I bring two people on, I don't. I'm not in the camera anymore. I can't have two people. I can't have more than one person. I'm supposed to be able to, but I don't. I can't have more than one person on. Move to the right. Move to the right. What is hey, what happened to Adam? Okay, we got messed up here. Hold on, I messed everything up here. Wait, technically, this is on call here. So what happened to my call? Why is this on hold? Okay, so hang this up. Now it's failed. No. Where can I call the group? Click on here. Just on the No. See, because he's on here. Hold on, I gotta hang you up. This is getting so confusing today. And my video goes off because I'm calling more than one person. It won't go. Let's see. Or maybe it will. I am on. But I don't know if not. Okay, we'll see how it's gonna work. We are back on, and I hope this works well for everybody. Okay, now. Now you can see me, I don't see you. I hope you hear me, though. It doesn't look like you do. I don't know why. Oh, my gosh. This is terrible.
Oh, you're back. Good. Shmini Shmaina. Welcome back, Adam. Shmini Shmaina. So therefore, the eighth day, after a complete week of dedicating the holy tabernacle, now came the eighth day. You've done the entire week. You've done what you had to do for the week. You've accomplished what you can accomplish for the week. But now you're no longer in your realm of your week, but you're stepping up a level higher. And therefore it's the eighth. It's not just the concept of a Yom Hashmini, the Pasha being called eighth. But rather, it is the eighth day of the enumeration. When something is number eight... It is one, there's two, there's three. Each number is its own entity. When it's the eighth number, it can't be the eighth without a seventh and a sixth and a fifth, etc. before it. You cannot get to the eighth step on your ladder if you don't step on number one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. So too is the eighth day by Yom Hashmini. It was the eighth day of the completion, and only because it now was the eighth day did it fulfill the entire essence of what had to transpire throughout the week of the dedication of the Holy Temple. We find a very, very interesting chapter in Tehillim. The last of the Psalms of the Shir Hamalot, the 15 Shir Hamalot that King David sings, in which he says, How beautiful is it when two brothers sit together? How pleasant. And he gives the example, like the beautiful oil on the head of Aaron Akoin that went down his face when Moshe anointed him. What kind of love? What actually happened here? Aaron Akain was very concerned. What was his concern? Moshe was a younger brother, but Moshe was the Jewish leader. And Moshe, in essence, was supposed to become the high priest. Moshe was demoted when he refused to go down to Egypt to free the Jews. And at that point became a Levi instead of a Kohen. At that point the Almighty told him, now your brother will be the Kohen instead, in your stead. Aaron was concerned of a bit jealousy might might come about. And Moshe was concerned, is Aaron really befitting? So when Moshe pours the oil to anoint Aaron, the Medrash tells us the oil went down and formed two pearls on Aaron's beard. When saw these pearls, Moshe said, now I see how perfect Aaron is for this job. But Aaron is very perturbed. After a full week, of the dedication, the Holy Shekhinah 
the Almighty's presence does not come to rest on the tabernacle. And he turns and says, Moshe, my brother, you've made such a debacle here, you made such an embarrassment, you caused me such humiliation. He says, how so? How so? He says, look, I'm doing the whole dedication and the Yashchina is not coming down. Help me! How do I do it to make the Almighty come down onto... And Moshe said, come, we'll go together. And as Moshe enters together with Aaron, the Shechina comes down. Dear brothers, we have something deeper than that. Deeper than that because Aaron still is in denial. Aaron still refuses to go over to the actual altar. And Moshe says to him, please, please come forth. And Rashi tells us, when Moshe told Aaron to come to the Mizbeach, to come to the altar, Rashi says that Moshe used two words, Lekach Nivcharta, for this you were chosen. And the Rashi says, Aaron was appeased, and Aaron stepped forth to the altar. What are you talking about? He didn't want to go to the altar, and because our Moshe tells him, for this you were chosen, all of a sudden that made everything good? Let us do a little translation deviation. Lokach means for this. Nivcharta, you were chosen. But it could mean Lakach for the service on the altar you were chosen. Or Lakach because of this. What was the because of this? When Aaron was told to come to the to the altar. Aaron said, me? I'm not fit to go to the altar. I'm not fit to be the one to run the show here. And uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu says, ah, lakach, for this humbleness, for this humility, nevcharta, that's why you were chosen. There's a famous story of a chassid, that was called in by the Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, I believe. And the Tzemach Tzedek told him, he wants him to go to be a rabbi in a city. And the Chassid said, Me? A rabbi? How can I be a rabbi? Who am I? What am I already? I'm, I'm, I'm a nothing. How, wait. And the Rebbe said, Ah, that's why I want you to go. If I ask somebody and they say, sure, I'll be a rabbi. I said, you keep your haughtiness at home. A man who says, I don't know, how could I be, what am I, who am I, and starts to understand that everything he's going to do has to be thought and rethought, that's the person I want. We're running a little bit off the schedule. I'd like to go back into the Pasha. The Pasha starts about the tabernacle. The dedication of the tabernacle 
And the parasha finishes with the kosher and non-kosher creatures and animals that a person may eat, and birds and fish, etc. In middle of the parasha, <laughs> totally off color. The horrific, horrific story of the two sons of Aaron Akohen that enter the Holy of Holies and a fire comes out, enters their nostrils and they pass away. In essence, the story itself, very sad one. Very tragic. There's nothing more tragic than Rechman a parent losing a child. It's a horrific tragedy. But, there's a lesson. The lesson being, after all said and done, Vayidom Aharon. Aaron remained silent. Aaron did not rant and rave. He did not run up and down screaming, yelling, my children, my children. He saw this is what God wanted and accepted it with love. Rashi tells us the next portion teaching the laws of a Kohen not drinking, not imbibing, was said not to Moshe, but to Aaron. One of the reasons is a reward for not talking. There was a chassid of the Rizhna, the Helek of Yisrael Rizhna, who was known as the Rizhna, had a chassid, very, very wealthy man. And this extremely wealthy chassid used his money in the right way. Gave tremendous amount of charity, had a tremendous open house, the hospitality, but out of all the hospitality that he did, the one that stood out the most was Pesach. His Pesach Seder had always a minimum of a hundred people at it. This was his glory, his Pesach Seder. In the middle of the Pesach Seder, in the middle of the table, as by many, many people I'm sure it is, was a wonderful goblet. And the goblet was called the Kos Shel Eliyahu, the cup of Elijah. It was a gorgeous, tall standing gold, solid gold goblet. And this Kos, it had a tremendous, a very interesting custom. Every so often, he would buy a precious stone and have it added to the goblet. So every year that goblet became more and more magnificent. 
And we know that Elio comes to every Seder. And when he comes to everybody's Seder, his cup is poured. It's not, it's from the Pesach kitchen. And when his cup is poured, he partakes in everyone's Seder. Needless to say, he must be very happy by the end of the night. The Wheel of Fortune, as life has it, took a nasty turn on our chassid. And this nasty turn saw the chassid losing everything that he ever owned. His properties, his cash flow, his businesses, they were reduced to selling furniture, selling off jewelry, just to put bread on the table at Achman al-Sun. And in only a short time, the poverty was, was beyond. And it would only be a matter of time they have to sell the actual house. There was one piece of valuable that the wife said, come what may, we'll never ever leave this house, and it could have gotten them a nice chunk of money. And that was the goblet of Elijah. The coast shall Eliyahu Anavi. She said, this is Eliyahu, the prophets, and he is the only one that can get us out of this rut, because he will bring Mashiach. And the only way we can be saved is through Mashiach. Chassid learned very, very smartly not to defer from what your wife tells you. You got to learn when to pick your fights with your wife. And this was definitely not one of the fights he wanted to pick. And he let it be. And that goblet was not sold. It was the day before Pesach. It was the eve of Passover. And the hustle and the bustle of the streets were going. And this chassid was devastated. He barely scraped together enough to buy some matzah. Some wine maybe for the four cups. Maybe a small piece of fish. The humiliation... This was just too much for him. He told his wife, I hope you don't mind, there's nothing really to do here in the house. They set up a small little table with two chairs. I'm going to shul. An early morning Arab Pesach, he left the shul. And spent his day in shul. And at the end of the full day in shul, he went to the mikveh, prepared himself, and decided the last hour before Yom Tov, he was going to come home to change his clothes. As he approaches the house, he's in shock. The house looked like it was on fire. The lights were burning, fires were going, people were running and coming and bustling and hustling. It was like a... He came closer to the house, and lo and behold... He sees there are hundreds of people running around and clamoring and doing. 
And he opens the door and he sees a table, the full length of his old table. And he sees people running and grabbing seats and putting seats in places and each one setting up where they're going to sit. And he smells the aromas from coming from the kitchen. You can tell the foods that are being cooked. And the He's ready to pass out. This is a, a dream? What, what is it? What has happened here? His wife saw him. And she comes running over and she says to him, This morning when you left the shul, a carriage pulled up in front of the house. A horse-drawn carriage. And the man got out and he said, Madam, I have a dilemma. My carriage broke yesterday and they just finished fixing it. There's no way I can get anywhere for Pesach. Please, can I be your guest? She said, I started to cry. I said, excuse me, young man, I would love to host you. But my, wife, my husband and myself have lost everything. We have nothing. I have nothing to offer you. I don't have a chair for you to sit, a bed for you to rest. And nor do I have any matzo or wine for you to drink or eat. Money. Money's no object. He took out 5,000 gilder. With 50 gilder, you could have made a beautiful seder. He took 5,000 gilder and said, Here, make a seder. And she said, What do you mean? 5,000 gilder. He says, Take what you need. Give me the. Let's talk about this. Immediately, he said, Forget it. Doesn't matter. He turned around, he told the servants, Get this house straightened out, please. And the servants ran out. They brought back furniture. Beds for people and chairs and tables and paintings for the walls. And they brought back food and pots and pans. The kitchen was hopping. The house was just getting... It, it was re- returned, reverted back to what it was once, again, once, once before. And he'll be here soon. He said he'll be back. He left. He'll be back for the Seder. And lo and behold... The Chassid went to Shul, a different person. And when he came home, he sat by this magnificent Seder. But the benefactor was nowhere to be found. Towards the middle of the Seder, they were getting ready to bench. And they poured the cup of Eliyahu Anavi. And there's a knock on the door. They open the door, and there's the benefactor. I'm sorry, I'm late. Do you mind if I catch up? I said, please. And he sat down and he quickly, quickly read through the Haggadah, quickly had his matzahs, his food. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm ready. I'm up with you. You allowed to do that? Huh? You allowed to do that? He had to catch up. And immediately, they said, Shvei they opened the door. And as they were starting to do the second half of the Seder, he said, excuse me, I must go. The Almighty should bless you all. That whatever you used to have, you should have hundredfold. Should always be such beautiful Yom Tevim here. And he left. After Yom Tev, the Chassid went to the Rizhna. And he told the Rizhna what happened. 
Hi, said the Hayla Krishna. My dear brother, my dear child, your merit of your mitzvah stood for you. So much so, that Elijah the prophet partook of your seder. And you merited to see Eliyahu Navi. Your wife, who protected his cup, who protected the goblet of Eliyahu Navi, come whatever may be, and said the salvation will come through him, and the salvation indeed come through, came through him. His wife saw Eliyahu Navi twice. Once when he brought the money in the morning, and once when he came to the Seder. Said the Rebbe that the, this shows the great belief, the great emuna that women have, and the reward that they are rewarded for it. Before I go to Sechta Seita, to Bey's ear, to Mishnah Pekiyavis, I'd like to tell another similar story. The abnegation, the mysterious nefesh of a chassid. There was a chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek. It was Erevim Kippur. On Erevim Kippur, you don't have to be a lofty soul. You don't have to be a spiritual scientist. Everybody knows Erevim Kippur. And this serious moment of Erevim Kippur, and this is... This chassid, it's three, four hours of four Yom Kippur, and he's very busy. What is he busy with? He's busy with money. He's counting money. Counting money? Erevim Kippur, you have nothing else to do, well, it's not for him. It wasn't for a business deal. He said, I cannot go into Yom Kippur, I cannot fast, I cannot do anything, I cannot pray on Yom Kippur, until I have these 800 rubles. What was the money for? A band of robbers kidnapped a family. And they ransomed a thousand rubles. And the community only was managed to put together, after going and collecting and clamoring and begging, they only managed to get 200 rubles. This family, Rahman al-Islam, is going to be stuck in captivity over Yom Kippur if this thousand rubles were not put down and the authorities would do nothing for them. I can't do it, I cannot face God in Yom Kippur, he said, if I don't have this money. And he's walking through the streets and he walked out of the Jewish quarter into the non-Jewish sector. And of course the most popular spots in the non-Jewish sector the pub, the bar, not bar mitzvah, the bar. And he walks by the bar and all of a sudden he starts hearing the screaming and the jeering and the yelling, Jew, you want to drink something, come drink. He brainstormed and he turned to the bar and he straightened his shoulders and he raised his head up high and he marched straight towards that pub. And as he entered the pub, he fixed his collar, pushed the doors open and they all started laughing. What are you doing? What do you want? He says, I can drink any one of you under the table. 
started to laugh. A Jew with a long flowing beard is going to drink the Russian peasant under the table. And he says, Davai Dengi, put down money. How much you went to wager? There were 30, 40 people there. He put down, the, red, the Jew took out 200 rubles. And the first guy says to him, You know what, Yid? If you could drink a bottle of vodka in one shot, we'll talk. Another guy from the guy in the back says, even smarter, drink two bottles of vodka and we'll really talk. We'll quadruple that. He put down 200 and they all put down 800 collectively. And the Chosid stood up on the chair and took the first bottle of vodka. Needless to say, he was not from today's Chosidim. A, a lot of guys today could do this trick. In those days, the Chosid couldn't do this. So. And put the bottle to his lips, made his bracha, shahakal, said, Lechayim Eibishter. And he drank the entire bottle. And then they handed him the second one. At this point he needed a chair. And he sat. It wasn't a stipulation. He had to stand. And he drank the second. And he collected his money. And barely able to start to walk. And they all followed him. Maybe he'll die from the intoxication. (laughs) And they'll get their money back. In the meantime, he rolled himself practically to the shul. And here the shul, everyone, it's packed and all the chassidim are ready to say kol nidre on Yom Kippur night. Thank you. Those who are not by this year today, you're missing the freshly baked cookies that came out of the oven. And they're all standing there kol nidre night in their kittles and standing ready to pray and all of a sudden the chassid rolls into shul and gets up onto the bima, bangs on the bima and says, he starts to sing the songs of Simchas Torah. <laughs> Needless to say, it didn't bode well with many chassidim. The Alter Rebbe saw him and knew what he did. And the Alter Rebbe told them, his stupor, his drunken stupor, is accomplishing more than your fast ten Yom Kippers. <laughs> don't judge. You don't know. This was what happened to Aaron's sons. Aaron Akoyan's sons had a very strange sin. They had a tremendous yearning to attach themselves to God. Their mistake, we have to attach ourselves to God, we have to come back here. Attaching to God is one thing, but our mission on this world is to return and stay physically on this world and do physical mitzvahs. They only wanted up. They want the spirituality. Until they found no use for the vessel of the body. And for that, their souls were taken. <coughs> they drank. They imbibed. 
but it was of a different fashion. There's a Mishnah on the seventh page of Masech the Saita. There are two Mishnahs actually. The second one. The woman, the wayward woman, was taken to the Bezn Gadol in Yerushalayim. And there, prior to being judged, and the judges intimidated her. The same way they will intimidate witnesses that come to testify someone's sin of death, And they tell her, Do you know what drinking does to a person? Do you know what levity does to a person? Do you know what childlessness does to a person? All these things that you are doing, these immature acts by going and being with another man and not behaving the way a Jewish woman should, bring about what the predicament that she was in. So we see from this Mishnah, the Mishnah goes on and on to say how they put her to a position where she feels the yearn to do tshuva, to repent. And this is what the person has to strive to do, says the Mishnah. And in Pirkei Yavis, Perek Aleph, Mishnah Ches, the eighth Mishnah, Yehuda ben Tabai v'shimim ben Shatach kiblu mehem. Shatach kiblu Shatach. Yehuda ben Tabai and Shimim ben Shatach received, it was passed down from Nitayar Beili. Yehuda ben Tabai says, Altas atzmachok erich do not act like a counselor, as a counselor, when you're sitting as a judge. When the litigants stand before you, you they should be as if they are wicked. And when they leave before you, they should become righteous. For they accepted the din that was passed upon them. Again, telling us how a person, even a judge, even a rov, a dayan, has to see to it that when the people are in front of him, he looks at them equally. And he wants the best for everyone. And when they leave, he should again feel how special are these people that listen to every word they were told and will act the way they were taught and they will complete the way they should have. So we find again a Mishnah of Pirkei a Mishnah of and the message, one of the messages of Pasha Shmini Besides the one of Ayidom Aharon, that Aaron did not speak, that he remained silent, how we must refrain from eating the non-kosher bird or fruit or, or animal or insect, 
how a person must sanctify themselves, how a person must make themselves holy, how a person must keep themselves on the highest esteem, knowing how great the person is. There's a big problem with today's shir, mind you, that I didn't get any humor into this year. That's only because the shir is nowhere near finished, and I have only about three minutes left to do it. So it's really, it gets difficult when you can't say anything that make anybody smile throughout this year. You really know that you've been doing something wrong, Rabbi. On Bay's ear, the Rebbe Marash was born. Chassidic Chabad, the Chassidim of Chabad, of Lubavitch, begin our lineage as Chassidim from the Baal Shem Tov, to his disciple, the Magid, to his disciple, the Shnei Zalman Liadi, the Alter Rebbe, to his son, the Mitle Rebbe, the Rebbe Marash. Excuse me, Mitle Rebbe, the Adnan Tsoi, and from the Mitle Rebbe, his son-in-law, the Tzemach Tzedek, and the Tzemach Tzedek, had the Rebbe Marash, who then was the father of the Rashab, the father of Friedrich Rebbe, who was the father-in-law of our Rebbe. Each Rebbe had his approach, had his expression, his saying that he would live with. The expression of the Rebbe Marash, whose birthday is Bey's ear, was Lechatchile Arriber. Everyone else says, first try to go over, if you can't go under, or improvise. I, says the Rebbe Marash, is, say, Lechatchile Arriber. There is no such thing as improvising. Lechatchile, the person has to jump over, Lechatchile, to begin with, and one has to devote themselves, one has to throw themselves into whatever they are doing, whatever service they are serving God with, with a full heart, and with full intent, and with a way to just go and forge ahead. We find it very difficult in our days, especially in today's days. <laughs> I work in a yeshiva, where we have to collect funds, unfortunately. Our average tuition covers about a week and a half of the month. The rest has to be raised. And today's economy is not very, very encouraging. I saw an article this week that really inspired me. One of the wealthiest billionaire Jews, I don't remember what he does, what his name is, gave five million dollars or something to the Republicans to see to it that they get Obama out of office. Rebbe, you know what I could do with those five million dollars. But this is what the world is all about. People have to know where we belong, how we belong, when we belong there. And as we start the Omer, the first week is completed. We're now in the second week of the Omer. We have to know how to count each and every day and how each and every day has a value to it. 
It's not only an entity of its own, but it's also a part and parcel of the entire week. And therefore being the tenth day of the Omer, is not only the tenth day of the Omer, the tenth after the nine prior, but it's the first week and two days into the Omer. That is not tonight's Omer. But I have not yet Dav and I can't tell you what tonight is. So if you want to hold on, or if you want to wait about 45 minutes, you can call me back and I'll tell you what tonight is. Or if you really want, I can forward you the email that I get. Because everybody has their own ways of reminders. I know a guy that gets about six or seven texts. What would my cousin say today? My cousin said something like, with all the reminders, it's very hard to forget about the Omer. But the Omer teaches us that not we are not an entity of our own. Not only are we an entity of our own, not only are we a neshama of our own, we are also one with a nation. Not only are we number 10, we're number 10 of the minion, we're number 10 of the week and the three days. And this is what we hope and anticipate. I said before, an Arab Rishchidosh Nissen, we said in the morning, Tachnun. There was no bris, there was no chasm. We said Tachnun. And I gave a patch and I said, Rabbi Say, this is the last Tachnun in Golis. This will be the last time we say Tachnun in this exile. Because the month of Nisan, we don't say Tachnun the whole month. Rabbi Say, ladies, gentlemen, brothers and sisters, Chedesh Nisan is coming to a close. Next week, we start Sunday and Monday, we don't say Tachman. We still have chance to see to it that this Shabbos is our last, is our first Shabbos in Yerushalayim together. And that this Wednesday night Shir will be the last Wednesday night Shir in exile. And that the Hashem next Wednesday night Shir will be in Yerushalayim, Yerakadish, where we'll all sit together. We won't need the Skype. We'll sit in one big sukkah and I will move to the side humbly and let Mashiach give this year. Shabbat Shalom, Rosh Chodesh Tov, and thank you for joining me.